When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Seven of Unfermettable, where we take a look at some of the less heralded myths in our beloved franchise's quirky history, because to us, every player who dons the orange and blue is in some way unfermettable. Today I'm going to take a look back at a great pitcher and a New York native who was a very memorable player in my early childhood, and a brief Hail Mary late season acquisition for the Mets in 1987. I remember this picture incredibly well. It's probably hard not to be memorable to uh, someone who is a young kid in the late 70s, early 80s, when you're a baseball player who is a tall lefty with a funky delivery and a cool nickname, who hailed from Brooklyn and had his best days rocking that classic Pirates pillbox hat. Today we're going to take a look back at the impressive career and brief Mets tenure of the Candyman himself, John Candelaria. John Robert Candelaria, quality middle name there, was born on November 6, 1953, in Brooklyn, New York. Both of his parents moved here as children from Puerto Rico, met here in Brooklyn, and started a family. Uh, John grew up in Brooklyn as a Yankee fan. Disappointing, I know, but I guess we can forgive it. If he was born in 53, I'm guessing he kind of came of age before the Mets existed and, you know, in that little, that sad gray area when the Dodgers and Giants were gone. Candelaria was a great athlete. Uh, As a professional, he would stand 6'7 on the mound. I don't know how tall he was in his high school age, but I do know that he played baseball and basketball at LaSalle High School in Brooklyn. Uh, Even as a freshman, he attracted immediate attention from scouts for his pitching. Uh, Candelaria, who was always a pretty opinionated, outspoken character as a ball player, uh, feared burnout of his arm and pretty much refused to pitch for a couple years, deciding to focus on basketball, where he eventually became LaSalle's at the time at least, I don't know now, at the time he was their all-time leading scorer, and he was second all-time in rebounding in the high school's history behind none other than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, or uh, Lou Alcindor, as I guess he would have been during his time at LaSalle. 
So that kind of good as a basketball player. And in fact, he looked to be trending towards basketball. He was going to play for Puerto Rico and their 1972 Olympic team. Uh, but again, you know, thinking about it, he feared the long slog through college to the pros to be a professional basketball player. Uh, he wanted to help support his family. Uh, so he veered back to baseball uh, in his senior year and still having that arm, uh, was drafted in the second round of the 1972 draft by the Pittsburgh Pirates. There's a great story uh, in a great Saber bio of Candelaria of how the Pirates brass in 72 brought Roberto Clemente with them to act as a translator when they were going to give Candelaria a tryout to decide whether or not, you know, they would sign him or negotiate, as I think was pretty common back then. And uh, the Pirates offered him, I think, $15,000, and Clemente told Candelaria in Spanish to reject the offer because he was worth much more than that. Uh, Clemente's advice proved sound, as the Candyman eventually signed his deal for $40,000 with the Pirates. And while he would have a long career with the Pirates, he would, uh, you know, definitely uh, bickered and argued with Brass a lot, and probably the end of his tenure with the Pirates was at least partly informed by, you know, the contentious nature of contract negotiations between Candelaria and his uh, primary team there in Pittsburgh but getting a little ahead of the narrative there. Uh, Scandalari went pretty steadily and normally, as you would you know, probably like to see a pitcher go through the minors. Uh, low A at age 19, high A ball at age 20, triple A at age 21. Uh, he, did begin to, uh, he did begin to struggle with back problems as young as 20 at high A ball, and it was something that would plague him throughout his career, uh, you know, as... And any pitcher would also suffer through a lot of arm trouble as well later in his career. But it didn't hold him back early, in 1975. Uh, he was 21 years old. He was in AAA. He had spent the previous... Uh, he had spent the winter playing winter ball in Puerto Rico, where he gave a lot of credit to the veterans he worked with there in helping him control his curveball. Uh, he was primarily a fastball, curveball pitcher, you know, tall, lanky, lefty. Uh, looked like all arms and legs coming at you when he pitched hard to pick up the ball. Uh, very deceptive. And once he was able to control both of those pitches, uh, it seemed he had kind of put it together. He excelled in AAA. He was 7-1 and one with a 1.77 ERA. And when Pirates starter Ken Brett went on the DL in early June, uh, the young Brooklyn lefty was ready to answer the call to the majors. Candyman made his Major League Baseball debut on June 8th of 1975 against the San Francisco Giants. Uh, turned in kind of your proverbial quality start. Six innings, three earned runs, one walk, six strikeouts. Uh, pretty solid work for a young rookie. Uh, but he did take the loss in a 3-1 defeat. Uh, his second start, he went only five innings, surrendered three runs, a little rockier, ten hits, I believe. Uh, that would leave him on June 20th of 1975, making his third career start at Shea Stadium in front of a ton of family and friends who would make the short jaunt from Brooklyn to watch John Candelaria match up against uh, the man who would ultimately take home the Cy Young Award that year, the one and only George Thomas Seaver. 
And as he would do throughout his career, he, he had great numbers against the Mets in general, but particularly at Shea, uh, Candelaria would dazzle on the Shea mound. Uh, he and Seaver would engage in a, score, a scoreless duel into the seventh inning uh, until the Pirates took a one nothing lead on a Willie Stargell solo homer in the top of the seventh. Mets would manage to tie the game up in the bottom of the eighth, uh, but that tying run was delivered by pinch hitter Jack Heideman, who came in, in fact, to bat for Seaver with two out and the tying run on base. Uh, Heideman delivered a tying single off of Candelaria, uh, nodding the game at one, uh, but that meant that the franchise, of course, is out of the game. Or, you know, those of you who started baseball, watching baseball in 2022, pitchers used to bat. But at any rate, um, the Pirates would explode for four off of the Mets' bullpen in the ninth inning. Uh, Candelaria would then come out and set down Felix Mion, Gene Kleins, and Joe Torre in order to complete a four-hit complete game victory, his first career victory, 5-1 over the Mets at Shea. After the game, Candelaria was interviewed and said that it was something special that he would always remember recording that first career victory at home. The young lefty would win his next three starts, including two more complete games, one in which he struck out 13 against the Cubs, uh, another which was a complete game shutout of the Pirates, uh, and he really just wouldn't look back, becoming a key piece of the rotation uh, for a Pirates team that would go on to win the division that year and would be consistently very good uh, through the last half of the 1970s. The Pirates' reward for winning the National League East in 1975 was a matchup in the LCS with the 1975 Cincinnati Reds, winners of 108 games. Uh, the Reds uh, blitzed the Pirates in games one and two of what was in a five-game LCS, of course, 8-3 and 6-1, uh, which meant the Pirates facing elimination. The rookie, Candelaria, would get the ball in game three, and though the Pirates would eventually go down in a sweep, uh, a sweep, Candy was excellent. He struck out the side in the top of the first inning, uh, the side being Pete Rose, Joe Morgan, and Johnny Bench, mind you, and struck out 14 overall over seven and two-thirds innings, uh, which was an NLCS record that stood for uh, over 20 years. I got, it, I'm pretty sure it was uh, when LeVon Hernandez had Eric Gregg giving him the Angel Hernandez strike zone in 1997 that uh, it took until then for that record to fall. Uh, Rose and the Reds were incredibly complimentary of Candelaria after the game. Uh, he, even though Rose did hit a two-run homer to uh, tie the game, a game the Reds would go on to win in extra innings to complete their sweep en route to the first of two straight world championships for that big red machine. But Candy was really off and running, uh, and he just simply continued to develop as a solid to very good pitcher. In 1976, at the age of 22, he went 16-7 and with a 3.15 ERA, uh, including a no-hitter on August 9th that he threw at home at Three Rivers against the Dodgers. It took place on a night that a promotional night called Candy Night, which was, of course, honoring him. And it was the Pirates' first no-hitter in a very nice 69 years. 
the previous one being September of 1907 against the Brooklyn Superbas. Uh, so, <laughs> so the Dodgers had effectively relocated and rebranded uh, since the Pirates had thrown a no-hitter. Made me feel a little better about the fact that it took the Mets, you know, 50 years to, to record a no-hitter in their franchise's history. And whether it was the cockiness of a 22-year-old, or as I said, he was known for being a bit quirky, uh, you know, quintessential lefty, but I guess he was feeling it that night. Uh, interviewed afterwards, he said, I was thinking no-hitter from the first inning on, uh, which I thought was, you know, near many pitchers say, and I thought it was kind of entertaining. His third season in 1977, uh, the following year, would be his personal best. He went 20-5, and five, led the league in ERA at 2.34, and had a 7.4 war, according to baseball reference. Uh, it was the only year in which he would record Cy Young votes and make an all-star team. Uh, he finished fifth in the Cy Young voting, uh, one vote and one spot behind Tom Seaver, for whom, sadly, of course, that was a split season spent between the Mets and the Reds. Though he was young, of course, he was logging up a lot of innings, and injuries did begin to have an impact. Uh, he had continued back pain, some elbow problems in 1978, uh, but he had a strong 1979 going 14-9 with a 3.32, uh, 79, of course, being that We Are Family Pirates year. So Candy would make his second career playoff appearance, uh, starting game one of the NLCS. Uh, he would pitch well in a no decision, and the Pirates as a franchise would flip the script and get some revenge for 1975 by sweeping the Cincinnati Reds in that LCS and moving on to the World Series matchup against the Baltimore Orioles. As one of, uh, if not the first World Series I personally remember watching, I do remember rooting for the Pirates. I mean, sure, they were in our division, but the Mets were so bad when I was young that that didn't feel like it mattered, and I mean, they had those cool uniforms, and Willie Stargell and Dave Parker, who just seemed so cool. Uh, the, but at any rate, uh, the Pirates, uh, I think it was a 1-1 series, but uh, Candelaria started Game 3, and got knocked around by Baltimore, uh, surrendering six runs in three innings. Uh, so the Pirates would fall to a 2-1 deficit in the series en route to, you know, what seemed pretty insurmountable in baseball those times, a three games to one deficit. Uh, but Pittsburgh and, and Candelaria would bounce back. Uh, they'd cut it to three games to two. Uh, Candelaria in Baltimore would match up against Jim Palmer for game six. Uh, they would through dueling. The game remains scoreless through six innings uh, before the Pirates would break through and Candelaria would combine with Kent DeColvey on a 4 nothing shutout victory uh, to not the series at three and would become a world champion the following night when the Pirates would close it out with a 4-1 victory in Game 7. Candy would have only one more playoff appearance in uh, his future when, of course, he came one game shy of facing off against the Mets in a World Series seven years later. But again, getting ahead of ourselves. Um, he, Candelaria himself would struggle in 80 and miss most of the 1981 season with bicep and nerve problems. Uh, he bounced back with pretty strong years in 1982 through 1984, 
Uh, so at this point, he'd been in the majors for a good like 10 years, but was only 31 years old. But personal and professional problems began to kind of fray his relationship with the Pirates. Uh, he had numerous battles with the team over you know, his contract issues. He very publicly would insult management, even his manager, Chuck Tanner, at times. He had another elbow surgery, and then much more tragically, uh, he had a son uh, in, who in 1984 nearly drowned in a pool uh, and eventually did pass away in 1985 from the accident after a long period in a coma. Uh, the pirates were worried about Candelaria's physical health with the elbow as well as his mental health uh, and chose to move him to the bullpen, uh, thinking this would alleviate some pressure, but just made the pitcher even more unhappy and kind of relationship deteriorated till uh, the team decided to trade Candelaria to the California Angels in August of 1985. Uh, he returned to the rotation and pitched well for the Angels down the stretch, uh, but they got caught by the Kansas City Royals and missed the playoffs by one game. He'd pitch well for the Angels in 86, probably one of his last very good seasons, and as mentioned, had his final postseason appearance. He recorded a win in Game 3 of the ALCS, outdueling Oil Can Boyd, uh, but took the loss in Game 7 as the Angels as a team unraveled after being so close to advancing to that 1986 World Series. Uh, the team surrendered, Candelaria surrendered seven unearned runs in three innings in an 8-1 blowout Game 7 loss uh, that meant the Red Sox would advance to what would be an incredibly memorable World Series. 87 would be a tough roller coaster year for John Candelaria, professionally and personally. Uh, he struggled very much uh, on the mound, having probably like what would be his worst season to date. Uh, he also endured not one but two DUI arrests out in California. 1987 was also quite the roller coaster year for the New York Mets as they attempted to defend their World Series title. Uh, of course, you know, the season got off to a tough start with Doc Gooden's drug suspension, and the team sputtered a little out of the gate and was engaged in another tight pennant race with the hated St. Louis Cardinals. The Mets suffered an unbelievable slew of injuries in 1987. Uh, it seemed that the only pitcher who really remained healthy throughout the whole year was Ron Darling, who did struggle horribly early in 87, uh, perhaps in the absence of Doc and some other Mets, uh, you know, being nervous about living up to the uh, ace billing or having to be the nominal number one starter in Gooden's absence. But though his final numbers on the season weren't great, Darling was stellar down the stretch. So when the Cardinals came to town to Shea in mid-September uh, with, the with their team up a game and a half uh, in the division for a two-game series at Shea, uh, it really felt like the Mets were about to blow past them. The Cardinals had lost six of eight. Uh, Jack Clark, their slugger, had sprained an ankle. Uh, the Mets were red hot. And Ron Darling was on the mound, and honestly, that felt like exactly who we wanted out there, the way he had been pitching. And Darling carried a 4-1 lead into the sixth inning. In fact, I don't think he had given up a hit to that point uh, when, with one out, Vince Coleman 
drag bunted uh, down the line. Darling, uh, you know, the one-time gold glove winner, tried to make a phenomenal play, picking up the ball and in a dive to, I can't remember if he was trying to tag Coleman or try the ba- tag the base. Uh, Coleman did get a hit out of it, uh, did not score. Uh, and though Darling would pitch another inning, uh, Darling tore ligaments in his thumb trying to make the play, uh, so it would be his last start of the year. The Mets would carry that 4-1 lead into the ninth, and of course Roger McDowell would surrender three runs with two outs, including a two-run homer to Terry Pendleton, and to, in what I you know I've said many times, and might have even said on this podcast once before, what I thought uh, would be the worst September 11th of my life. And it's certainly the game that's looked back in retrospect as the game when the Mets, uh, you know, lost the chance to repeat. And, you know, probably when all's said and done, it is the most impactful game. But the next day seemed just as bad. The Gooden started and the Cardinals tagged him and won that game to take the two-game series. And the news came out about Darling being out for the rest of the year. But, of course, there was still a month of baseball left and the Mets would again get within a game, a game and a half, a couple of times of the Cardinals. The season was not over, uh, but losing Darling was a huge hit, so the Mets scrambled and acquired John Candelaria from the Angels on September 15th, sending Shane Young and Jeff Richardson to California. The trade was consummated, and Candelaria started that evening in Pittsburgh. That's how desperate the Mets were for pitching at the time. Uh, it was probably the most important game Candelaria pitched as a Met, and unfortunately, uh, his most disappointing. Uh, and during the day, the team had battled back to get within one and a half of the Cardinals again, and the Cardinals played and lost a day game in Wrigley. Uh, so the Mets had an opportunity to once again cut the cut the division deficit to half a game. Candy was taking the mound in his former home of Three Rivers, had a chance to stick it to his former team, uh, you know, perhaps you know, pitch the Mets right back into another pennant race in postseason, and the team staked him to three runs in the top of the first on a Daryl Strawberry home run. Uh, unfortunately, you know, fatigue, nerves, just didn't have it that day. Uh, Candy gave up four in the bottom of the first. Uh, Tim Tuffle homered to tie the game at four in the top of the second, and Candelaria pitched to three more batters, uh, ultimately going only an inning and a third, and surrendering five runs. Uh, the Mets would lose. The Mets would creep ahead again, but lose a back and forth game, ten to nine, and losing probably their most last golden opportunity to uh, catch the Cardinals. Candy had win his. Next two final two starts uh, with the Mets. Uh, first time he took the mound for them at Shea was September 23rd of 1987. Uh, still a big game against the Expos, who were also kind of at the outskirts of the pennant race that year. Uh, outdueled Brent Smith to lead the Mets to a 4-3 victory. And his third and final start as a Met, Candelaria threw five scoreless innings against the Phillies, leading the Mets to a one nothing victory, allowing them to creep back within two games, but with only five to play. The writing was kind of on the wall, and they would lose out on the division title to the Cardinals in 87. Candy didn't travel 
far in 1988, he would sign with the Yankees in the offseason and pitch decently, going 13-7, and his last uh, double-digit win year in the majors. Uh, but he would struggle with knee problems, and he would battle with Yankee manager Lou Pinella. Uh, his season would then wind up ending in August uh, due to those knee problems. And that was also effectively his last season as a regular starter in the majors. He would hang on pitching you know, consistently from 1989 through 1993, ages 35 to 39, uh, with the Yankees, Expos, Twins, Blue Jays, and Dodgers, pretty much exclusively in relief. He'd, after 1989, he'd only make six more career starts, uh, and he would perhaps very fittingly in 1993 uh, sign on with the Pirates, uh, though he struggled mightily in his final few major league appearances, 0-3, with an 8.24 ERA. Uh, he did retire with the organization in which he came into the majors and first new baseball glory. For his major league career, the Brooklyn-born John Candelaria had a record of 177 and 122 with a 3.33 ERA. He appeared in 600 games, uh, 356 of them starts. Uh, he threw 2,525 and two-thirds innings, struck out 1,673 batters. According to Baseball Reference, his career war was 41.9, which made some of the most similar career pitchers in, according to a similarity score, uh, pitchers such as Jimmy Key, Brett Saberhagen, Adam Wainwright, Ron Guidry, Roy Oswalt, among the more modern pitchers just to give an idea of uh, quality of pitcher he was and again anecdotally I think probably because of all the limbs and the motion uh, I know a lot of pitcher I, I, I feel like I vividly remember Keith Hernandez talking about how hard he was to hit off of and you know what a great pitcher he thought he was and I, I, I believe Keith in particular was very enthused when the Mets did, brought him on in 87 for that very very late stretch run. Obviously not a Hall of Famer, but you know, and probably not quite a Hall of Very Good, but just maybe one notch right below that. In his very brief Met sojourn, Candelaria was 2-0, but with a 5.84 ERA over those three starts. Obviously not as crushing as the Pendleton home run game. I really do remember the his first start uh, as another one where it felt like the Mets let a let an opportunity to reclaim the division go by. But despite a not incredibly successful Mets blip, a very successful baseball career, and Candelaria seemed to resent suggestions otherwise, as um, near the end of his career, uh, I think a lot was written or it was suggested that he was a classic example of wasted potential. He did have incredible success very young. Um, don't know if these were allusions to just, you know, the drinking problems that he struggled with later in his career. Uh, There seemed to be a sense that he was someone who wasn't really a workout fiend, preferred to sit in the clubhouse, according to a quote, and smoke and drink coffee rather than working out, getting ready for baseball. Uh, Candelaria really bristled at those suggestions, noting, I have been successful, I am successful, and I will be successful. Who is to say who has potential and what somebody else's potential is? Unlike a lot of former athletes, he 
didn't really stick around baseball after he retired. He tried various things, including running an advertising agency in Pittsburgh, uh, but eventually said he preferred solitude, uh, moving and settling in North Carolina, where, as of last reports, he currently lives. But a no-hitter, an all-star, an MLB ERA title, a world championship, sound like a pretty successful career to me. I wish he had one more magical postseason run in 1987 with his, one of his hometown teams. Alas, that was not meant to be, but John Candelaria, nonetheless, unformidable. Thanks for taking the time to listen to Unformidable. Please go to AmazonAvenue.com for more Mets-related content. Follow Amazon Avenue on all the social medias, and you can find this and all of our amazing pods wherever you get your podcasts. Original music by Bunga. I'm on Twitter at WolfRR, W-O-L-F-F-R-R, and the show is at Unformidable. Thank you, and as always, let's go Mets!